Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, everybody? January 16th, Monday edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Yes, I was on, what, less than uh, seven, eight hours ago uh, with Sean Rossap, but now I'm happy to be joined uh, by Adam Martin. He is a Toronto sports journalist and a social media producer. You can follow him online at MM Adam Martin. Uh, or is it MMA Adam Martin? No, it's MMA. MMA. You got it right, man. Most people get it wrong, so good job, man. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, first things first, thank you for coming on here, but I know... Uh, one of the reasons why I did bring you on is not because I've known you forever and we've done things together over at Sportsnet and been to various UFC events. I think we did a Bellator event one time. but uh, it, uh, And not that you cause havoc on social media, but you're not afraid to give your opinion. So uh, last night when I did this podcast right after the UFC Phoenix show, um, I tried to keep my emotions in check, Adam. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy the fact that BJ Penn did return to action. Uh, and people, you know, full disclosure, he's a friend of mine. He's always been great to me. Um, I didn't want to see him return. And what happened yesterday versus Yara Rodriguez was exactly what I thought was going to happen. Uh, this is a sport that once father time kicks in, Adam, it's going to eat you alive. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Joe. It, I was really worried when, when the fight was announced because EJ hadn't fought in almost three years since the Frank Yeager fight. And that was, that was tough to watch, man. That was in 2014. Think about it, right? So he's 38 years old now, comes back. And the thing that I was, like, really wondering about was he goes from Dennis Seaver, which kind of made sense. It's like, all right, another guy who EJ could probably beat, an older guy. Cole Miller, another guy who's been around the block. And then all of a sudden he goes to Ricardo Lamas. He uh, has the IV band situation with USADA. And then they're like, all right, we're going to let you fight right? Yair Rodriguez, who's the top prospect in the featherweight division. So I didn't like the matchup. Um, just the fact that they booked it, I thought it was kind of uh, egregious, to be honest with you. And then we saw what happened last night, Joe. I, I don't like, I, I don't want to see that kind of thing happen to a legend like DJ Penn. In my opinion, there's no reason to turn a legend like that into a gatekeeper. You know, I, I know BJ wants wanted to fight again, but there's there's like 50 featherweights on the roster. Did, did they really have to pick the guy who's who's knocking guys out with flying head kicks and climbing up the ladder? So it was it was tough to watch, man. It was well, it was definitely a challenge, and it was it was just more like. You know, yeah, you see him walking to the octagon. You get this nostalgic feeling. You're like, all right, BJ Penn, BJ Penn. And then you realize, wait a second, no, 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 no. That, that's just your emotions getting the best of you. This is a guy who, who, who time, who father time has just basically said, okay, you're still a fighter. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, but you're not an elite fighter in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, let alone dropping down to another division. You were the champ at 170 at one point. You, be, you were the champ at 155. Now you're going down to 145 where the fighters are faster. As you move down divisions, the fighters become quicker. Their speed is an absolute uh, – it's a force. And the younger you are, chances are in the UFC, you are much faster than an elderly opponent. I shouldn't say elderly. Uh, an opponent that's got more age on you, let's just say that. So it was just bothersome. And, and last night, I mean, there was a good point made by Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, first of all, the, men, the names that you mentioned, Dennis Seaver, uh, Cole Miller, you know, Sean mentioned Clay Guida. Those are guys I'd like to see BJ fight. They, they mean it, 
basically means nothing to the division, but they're quote-unquote nice money fights or super fights for guys to continue competing, get those last few fights out of the contract, and then, you know, walk away into the horizon and then just sail away sort of thing. But against Yaya Rodriguez, I mean, this kid's an absolute animal. And, you know, you almost saw moment moments of, of – correct me if I'm wrong, but you saw moments where Yair was like, I really don't want to hurt this guy. I re- But then he just – Switch to get this is my job. Like he signed the contract. He wants to fight me. I gotta make him pay. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam. No, I think you're right, Joe. I mean, if you watch the interviews leading up to the fight, DJ was very like uh focused and saying, like, I don't want to shake this guy's hand, you know, I want to get go in there, get the win, keep moving up the featherweight ladder, get that third belt in the UFC. But Rodriguez was like, This guy's my 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 idol, man. You know, I I trained with him at Greg Jackson's once. He said like they did some technique and stuff together. He's always had a lot of respect for BJ, just like the rest of us do. I mean, who doesn't love BJ, right? So the guy's one of the most respected fighters in the game. Um, and I and I definitely agree with you. I thought in the first round, I think he could have finished him in the first round. He was throwing so many head kicks, so many body kicks. Like you said, Joe, the speed difference was very evident early on in the fight. Um, I guess in, in the back of my in, of my uh, my heart, I should say. I, I kind of wanted BJ to land that the counter punch and, and just knock him out cold and, and get one of those, like a last big win and, and go out in heroic fashion. But like you said, Joe, this, this sport, it, it's unforgiving and it doesn't, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it doesn't let older fighters survive. Um, it's very rare for a guy to go out and win. And, and you, you see a guy like Chris Lytle, for instance, one of my favorite fighters, he went out and win. He's one of the few guys who did GSP went out and win, but majority of fighters, will get knocked out. They'll keep getting knocked out because they're so stubborn because they've dated for so long. BJ is a perfect example that the guy's been fighting in the UFC since 2001. He's been in the UFC for 16 years. Um, I know he had the long layoff now, but still, the guy's been in the UFC for nearly two decades. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. He, he, he's a fighter, tr- uh, true and true, but man, that was... Uh, I just don't want to see matchups like that. Like you mentioned, the Clay Guida fight. That would have been a great fight. I, I, I didn't even think about that myself. Sean mentioned that. That's a great fight, Joe. I don't see the point of, like I said, using a guy like this as a gatekeeper. Yes, you know, Yair got this big win, and uh, that's good for him in his career. But to me, I, I didn't really learn anything about him. I already knew he was good. I knew he was fast. I knew he could throw flying head kicks, head kicks, front kicks. I knew he was, I knew he was a good striker. But beating up an older guy, 38 years old, I mean, I don't see what the I didn't see what the benefit of it was. I like what Sean was saying last night about two other things. Now you mentioned that you know who doesn't like BJ Penn, and my argument last night was well the UFC doesn't like BJ Penn because they pit him against this kid who's an absolute monster, who's an animal. Uh, like you mentioned, a prospect that you know it's like who like who who's he going to fight next? We're already looking through the rankings and okay, who should Yair fight next? Although in my opinion, defeating BJ Penn at this stage of Yair's career really does nothing other than you know, and Sean mentioned it. More people know who you are now because you took out BJ Penn. And those people that don't really watch MMA as much as we do because we're in the bubble, uh, those are outside the bubble, that mainstream fan that probably tuned in uh, right after the, the NFL game or, or a football game or whatever was on. There was, I don't, I don't know what the sporting stuff was on last night or yesterday. But they now know who, who Yair Rodriguez is or more people now know who he is. And in my opinion, it's like, well, people, I, I love BJ Penn. Uh, I love his family. His mom is fantastic. His brothers are great. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to see this guy going. And Sean had mentioned, you know what? Ratings. The UFC is getting really good ratings lately. And you put BJ Penn in the main event. This guy should not be a main event. Uh, you know, he should have stopped being a main event a while ago. This guy should be third from the top, uh, not opening up a card, but 
maybe co-main event, but just before the co-main event, I think that's where BJ belongs. But the UFC, I, I told Sean last night, I said, are they just getting back at him for everything that he did way back when, when he first had the title, took off, went to Japan, fought Leoto Machida. I think he fought Dwayne Ludwig at the time. Uh, and now they're starting to get back at him. Oh, yeah, you want to fight? Yeah, we'll, we'll get you a fight. In event? Yeah, good. Yeah, Rodriguez, ah, he's a young kid. Or you, you'll be fine. I mean, is that you, you think that potentially went through their mind? Or am I just you know creating my own little conspiracy theories here? Sure. I mean, that definitely is possible. Um I'm not sure who booked the fight. I'm not sure if it was Joe Silva or a combination of the new matchmakers as well with Mick Maynard coming in. But with the new ownership taking over a few months ago, maybe they had part of it. And they were like, you know what? We want to build this guy's name. We see Ryder Rodriguez as as an up-and-coming star. BJ's, like you said, he's he's been on the game for a long time. He's on the way out. Why why not throw him in here against uh, Yair? And just like you said, Joe, casual fans flipping through the channels. Come on, see this, this young prospect throwing flying head kicks, throwing a front jumping front kick, knock BJ Penn out. I can definitely see the benefit of that. But at the same time, to me, it's just the guy that's like a legend of the sport. One of the few, three, uh, two division champions in UFC history. You know, I know he said, I, hey, I want to get the third belt. I don't think anyone really thought he was ever going to challenge Aldo or Holloway or Edgar or anyone like that in the featherweight division. I think we just wanted to see him. Well, I didn't want to see him fight again personally, but if we did fight again, we just wanted to see him go back to those glory days. You know, I was at BJ's last uh, win, which was against Matt Hughes in 2010 in Detroit. I think you were there too for that fight, right? So that's been that's almost seven years ago, Joe. Almost seven years ago. That's the last time he tasted victory. It's a long time ago, you know. And and since then, you look at his his, his performances and his fights. He fought uh, Rory McDonald, and that that was that was bad itself. That was a bad. For him, man, he got beat up badly in that fight. Roy McDonald did the alley shuffle. That was that was very embarrassing to watch. And Nick, the Nick Diaz fight, he, man, he took a real beating in that fight. And then the Frankie Edgar fight, the last one, um, I didn't want to see that happening again. And then this happened. So not exactly sure why they booked the fight. I didn't like it. To me, it's just a, it was a garbage booking. I, I have no problem saying that. I know. I think a lot of other media members are just scared to go out and say that. But I think it was a lousy matchmaking by the UFC and uh, – you know what, maybe this is the way they're going to do it in the future with the new ownership. This is what they want to do. They want to have these kind of quote-unquote squash matches. Um, very Strikeforce style, if you ask me. Very uh, Bellator style. I'm not a fan of that, Joe. I like, you know, good matchmaking. And to be fair to the matchmakers, the rest of the car with the very close fights. But this one, this was the one fight I was like, why did they put this fight together? It's the one fight I was like, man, this is going to be bad for BJ. Um. What was through your mind? Uh, we'll, we'll close off this BJ uh, situation right now, but one last thing about BJ, because uh, I know what went through my mind, but what went through yours when early in the fight, early in the first round, he's able to clinch with Yair, get up against the cage. I, I, I got off my couch. I was like, oh, he's going to take it down. He's going to take it down. He's going to get his back, and this is going to be a completely different fight. And then I realized, uh, yeah, anyways. My heart, my heart was racing, man. Just seeing him walk to the octagon with that music, like I was like, wow, this is, this is happening. It reminded me of the fight with John Fitch. I mean, he, he had John Fitch in trouble early in that fight. Even the Nick Diaz fight. In the, in the fight with Nick Diaz, I believe BJ took his back early. He even had some moments with Rory early in the fight. So I was kind of hoping, you know, just for old time's sake, but I quickly realized, you know, no, no, it's not, it's not going to happen like this. This is going to be his night. And, and uh, like again, going back to the speed advantage, it was just clear that maybe two or three minutes into the fight that BJ was just going to be a sitting duck for, for Yair. He just got picked apart. 
So speaking of Yair, uh, you go up and down these rankings right now. Uh, you know, above him as we speak is Brian Ortega, Dennis Bermudez, Charles Oliveira, Anthony Pettis, Jeremy Stevens, Cub Swanson, Ricardo Lamas, Frankie Edgar, and interim champ Max Holloway. Obviously at the top is Jose Aldo Jr. Um, if you're the UFC and or you are managing Yara Rodriguez, there's a question that we did have uh, from someone online. You know what? I better give the person props because they gave us the question. So thank you to them. Uh, let me see if I could find it here. It is Tim B at Timothy Bissell. Uh, thank you very much for the question uh, via social media. So if you or myself are the manager of Yara Rodriguez or we're the UFC matchmaking team, what's next for Yair? I think he's close to the top, but I, I need to see more from him. Obviously, uh, Max Holloway is going to fight Jose Aldo to unify that title. Hopefully, soon. I'm not sure what's going on with Max's ankle or whatever the injury he has is. But uh, I, I personally feel like either Swanson or Lomas is the right fight for him next. Because if he beats one of those guys, he, he really puts himself in the elite of, elite of the featherweight division. I don't want to. I, I wouldn't put him against Frankie though. If I'm if I'm his manager, I would keep him away from Frankie Edgar. Um, I think Frankie could take him down and beat him up. But I think Lamas um, and Swanson, they're both amazing fighters. Don't get me wrong. Both guys, Swanson has great striking. Lamas is a really good wrestler, good grappler. But I do think they're beatable. And I think Rodriguez could beat both those guys. Um, I think Swanson coming off that amazing fight of the year contender. <laughs> that fight was ridiculous, man. You, you were there for that fight, Joe. That was like one of the craziest fights I've ever seen. I think he has a lot of momentum right now. And obviously, uh, Yair Rodriguez does as well. Put those two together. But I'm, I'm fine with the Lamas fight, too, because he had that uh, submission win over Charles Oliveira not too long ago as well. So he's coming off of a win. Either one of those. Who do you like, Joe? Both. Both. Yeah. Uh, I, I prefer Swanson because he's number four, and that fight would be absolutely stupid, insane, <laughs> crazy. It'd be nuts. Uh, I also like the Lamas fight because I think Lamas will bring a bit, a bit of a different – sort of energy or game plan to that fight. Uh, if he gets too aggressive, he'll be in big trouble, Lamas. Well, in my opinion, uh, if he stays cerebral, he'll be fine. Whereas if Swanson gets aggressive, he doesn't care. <laughs> Just you want to go toe-to-toe, we're going to do this. So uh, for the sake of, of, of enjoyment, I would love to see Swanson versus Rodriguez. Uh, for the sake of mixed martial arts, I would like to see um, Lamas versus Rodriguez. Um, I don't know about Frankie Edgar yet. Uh, although the reach advantage for Rodriguez uh, could be something Frankie Edgar would have to definitely uh, game plan for big time. But I think he's got, he's got to take care of those guys, uh, three, four, and five. Uh, there's even Pettis or Stevens, but uh, they're, they're off losses. So we'll see what happens. Stevens, you know, you can make the argument that sure. Stevens could be a good opponent because, you know, that fight with Frankie Edgar was very, very close. There are people out there that said, you know what? No, 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 no. Jeremy Stevens won this fight. So let's not forget about him. Yeah, I think Jerry Stevens is a good fight, too. I did hear someone mention that as an possible opponent. Um, personally, I like the pair of winner with winner, so I, I'd prefer to see him fight Swanson or Lamas. But stylistically, that's a really fun fight, you know, and there's so many cards coming up, Joe. They need these little main, um, fight night main events. That's a fight night main event if, you've, if I've ever seen one. But uh, just talking to you right now, man, I really I really want to see that Swanson-Rodriguez fight. I think that's that's just that'd be just ridiculous. That'd be so much fun to watch. Five rounds of that. Oh my god! Please, please, MMA gods, please do it for us. <laughs> but that's not the thing, though. The, the problem is with with it's not the MMA gods that don't listen to us. Uh, it's not the fact that you know you, Sean, myself, uh, you know even Pearson or, or, or Sean Pearson who joins me all the time. We use logic. Yeah. Seven takes out number six, so then he becomes number six, and six has got to move up and take on the next winner. Five, four, three, whatever. For all we know, the UC is going to put Yara Rodriguez against Hayden Burrell, right? Like, or Andre Philly. You know what? That's actually a decent fight, too, to be yep. honest with you. Um, 
Hennon's at featherweight now, so I guess that that makes sense. That'd be a fun fight. I, I'd watch it, but I think that you got to, especially with a guy like Rodriguez, who's clearly on the path up. You got to keep progressing him up the ladder. But like you said, Joe, how many times have we seen number one fight number fifteen or number two fight an unranked guy and number ten fight number one? It's so weird sometimes, right? I, I don't. Those rankings are a joke, by the way. But don't even get me started on those. Yeah, well, yeah, <clears throat> I, I should get you started on them because I oh, mean, every time I get Sean uh, started on the rankings, he absolutely—I wouldn't say every time, but he loses his marble. And I say Sean, I mean Sean Ross Sapp. I haven't even touched this yet with Sean Pearson. I might do that on uh, on Wednesday when I get him back here on the Fightful MMA podcast. For those uh, tuning in uh, for the very first time, uh, Tuesdays I have Elias Theodoro joining me. Uh, he's obviously very colorful. Uh, Sean Pearson verbally is very colorful. He's gonna, he's not going to hold back uh, whatever he has to say. Uh, there could be F-bombs, uh, and there were a variety of F-bombs uh, in our initial podcast with Sean Pearson. Thursdays is once again Sean Rossap, uh, managing editor for Fightful.com, uh, Fightful MMA and Fightful Wrestling, Fightful Boxing. Uh, and then Fridays, I've got Reed Kuhn, who brings a different angle than everyone else that joins us. Adam, uh, Reed brings in a very scientific, numerical angle and breaks things down. Is going to have some crazy news potentially this Friday with what the UFC has got some information potentially with what the new ownership of the UFC is on doing moving forward, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2017. Uh, you mentioned weird, okay? Uh, weird fights, weird situations. What's weird was the judging in the Marcin Held and Joe Lozon fight. And once again, it is a topic that comes up. It's almost like it comes up once, if not multiple times uh, in any UFC event. 23 years into this sport, uh, or 22 and a half, whatever you want to call it, uh, we are still in a situation where referees are, are just doing questionable things like what happened in Invicta with one fighter getting choked unconscious uh, at the final bell and the bell rings and or the horn sounds and there she is unconscious on top of her opponent. And then you have Marcin Held who gets, one judge gives him a 30-27, two other judges give Joe Lozon a 29-28. Uh, and we have a situation where neither of those three scorecards, in my opinion, uh, were correct. And Joe Lozon gets his hand raised and in the post-fight interview says, I disagree 100%. Now, when the fighter who wins disagrees with the judge's decision, Adam Martin, we have a problem. We do have a problem. I was really disappointed in the judging of that, of that uh, fight. I picked Joe Lozon to win, so I was, I was kind of hoping to get it, but not like that, man. That's just wrong. That's a, that's a robbery. If you ask me, that's a straight up robbery. And like you mentioned, Joe, I think you made a good point. The uh, the three cards that did that the judges did score, I think they were all wrong because I believe that Joe Lozon won the first round, and I think Martin Hell won the second and third round. I th- I thought it was pretty clear. You know, I, I don't even think there was there was any argument to be made. I, the you know the thirty twenty seven Hell card, I didn't agree with it. I I mean I I saw why they gave Hell the fir- first round because he did get top position, but Joe Lozon did so much damage in that fight, excusing that round. And under the new rules. Damage is like the number one criteria, basically, in, in these rounds, which I which I like, actually. But it just seemed like the judges, I don't even know what they were looking at, man, because Held had, he had he was dominant. He, he had, you know, all the dominant positions in the second and third round. Um, duration, he had the time on top. He did more damage. And like you said, Joe Lozon's like, hey, man, I didn't win that fight. Like, that's that's not good. Um, hopefully they don't cut Martin Held, his own two in the UFC now. I don't think they will. I think Lozon's actually fighting for it. I saw that. He he talked to Sean Shelby. Yeah, he said he had talked to Sean Shelby. So that's that's interesting because you know Joe Lozon, he's been around the block. See, in his last fight against Jim Miller in Vancouver, he got robbed. He should have won that fight, and Jim Miller ended up getting a a split decision somehow. Um, So it's it goes back and forth in the sport. 
it's just really disappointing, Joe, because I, I believe you're, uh, you've been trained under big John McCarthy, right? You have the, your judging certificate. How did you score the fight, Joe? 29-28, Marcin held. It was, it was pretty, pretty obvious too, right? Like, I don't, I don't even know how they got it wrong. Um, so I, I was hoping that under the new rules that they've uh, established with, like I said, damage, duration, dominance, um, also some of the other rules that they've uh, put in, in place, that judging would be less crappy, I guess you could say. But it wasn't that good the other night, man. And, uh, or excuse me, last night, I should say. And, and you know, it's just going to be the same problem. The, the biggest issue to me is not even the rules itself, and I've been saying this for a long time. It's the people who are using the rules. It's the judges themselves. The judges are not good in the sport. And I, I don't really know what to do about it because the thing is, you get someone that's involved in the sport, they're probably going to have ties to other fighters. They're going to have ties to camps or biases. I understand that. That's probably why they just get normal people to do it, quote-unquote. But uh, there's clearly an issue, and and guys' careers are changing because it's not just it's not just last night's fight that Marching held lost, right? Like it's not just that win bonus for last night, which I by the way I hope the UFC does pay him his win bonus, but it's not just that, Joe. It's like his next fight, you know, he's he's not going to go up in in his pay. It's going to stay the same, or it might even go down. They might just say, hey man, you know, you've lost both your fights. We have to cut your pay a little bit because he came from Bellator. He was a pretty big free agent signing at the time you know, maybe they're going to say, hey, we want to renegotiate because, you know, you've lost both your fights. But uh, I do like Martin Hill. And by the way, I, I just want to say, like, why why, why, they, why are they being so hard on this kid? You know, he fights Diego Sanchez and Joe Lozon in his first two UFC fights. Like, give him someone in, in the bottom of the ladder, man. Like, work him up slow. He's 24 years old, Joe. He's 24 years old. You know, he's not uh, he's not some 30-year-old guy that's, that's been around the block. He's got a lot of potential in the sport. And I think that you saw that with the with the Joe Lozon fight. I was really impressed with Marcin Held, and uh, it's really a shame that he didn't get the win in that fight. Yeah, he's he has yeah, first two fights in the UFC uh, are, are interesting. I guess you know what you could make the argument that by them by that free agent signing bringing him over, and you compare the two people that he's competed against, they figured you know what these are two guys that have names. If Marcin can get past them too. His name then, his, his stock value will then increase in the UFC. So I kind of see that. Uh, I'll, I'll use the most horrible analogy uh, in the history of mixed martial arts media history. I'll say it again, history. Uh, <clears throat> um, if my son, six years old, who shouldn't be watching mixed martial arts, but absolutely loves the UFC, knows what daddy does, and he watches fights, Adam. That's At cool. the end of a fight, 15-minute fight, I'll just look at him and I'll say, who won? Tell daddy who won. And I would say 95% of the time, other than third round recency bias, he's correct. He's correct. And I think if a six-year-old who doesn't have that certificate that I have on the wall right there that says I'm a certified judge or someone that's working for an athletic commission can look at a 15-minute fight and determine who won the fight, yet these guys that are, that are accredited to be judges can't figure it out, we still have a problem. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And there's a lot of things I would change about judging. Um, I think you have to give them monitors because you, you've been to tons of uh, events, Joe, cage side. You see that the pillars are in the way a lot of the time or, you know, a fighter's got their back turned and they're working in some sort of submission. You can't even see what's going on. So I, I definitely see, you know, in my opinion, why a monitor would be uh, advantageous, I, I believe, to the uh, to, to judges. But, like I said, the biggest problem is the judges themselves. I don't even know who these clowns 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply because you're on Twitter and 99% of people are agreeing that a fight should go one way and then you look at the media scores and MMA decisions and 99% of them have it for this fight. For that fight last night, every single media member scored it for Martin Held. That's a, that's a problem when two and three judges didn't. So I'm not sure how these guys were even passing these courses, what courses they passed, um, but it's, it's just bad, man, because it affects guys' careers. That's the thing that really bothers me. It's not just, you know... It's not just a game. It's it's this is their livelihood. This is their careers. This is what they work for. These guys train for twelve weeks and they go in there and they have you know these two clowns taken away from them. It's it's really disappointing. It's one thing that's always bothered me about the sport is is these idiots that are you know sitting behind their uh, sitting behind the fence with their pens and paper and, and don't even know what they're watching. Yeah, it is kind of ridiculous. Uh, the rest of the main card saw Ben Saunders take out Court McGee uh, by unanimous judge's decision. Uh, it was one of those fights. Um, and I, I, you may disagree with me. I know Sean Rossap disagreed with me, but it was one of those fights where I was like, okay, guys, can we can we do something here? Like, I know Court McGee can go 15 minutes hard uh, and, and we'll continue the pace, uh, but Ben Saunders got the victory, but I was just like, oh, my gosh, can we can – we... Can something else happen in this fight, please? Yeah. Because I'm really getting bored right now. And then you had Sergio Pettis, uh, opening bout of the broadcast of, of the main card, excuse me, uh, taking out John Moraga. Uh, I thought Sergio Pettis was going to finish that fight because in the first round, you saw it, he hit him, uh, rocked him. And then in the second round, I thought he's going to go in there, he's going to smell blood, uh, he's going to buy his time. But by, by the second minute, he's going to go in there and finish John Moraga. Credit to John for surviving the full 15 minutes. So, your thoughts on the final two bouts uh, of the main card? Uh, the Ben Saunders fight was uh, very close. That, that's one that could have went either way, and that's not a robbery, if you ask me, because a lot of people were saying that they thought Court McGee won. I thought Ben Saunders won because I thought he did more damage in the fight in the first two rounds. But, but like you, Joe, I didn't really care. I was just watching the fight, and I'm like, man, come on. Come on, guys. The, the thing about that fight is they're, they're former training partners, so I'm, I'm not surprised the fight went that way. They had a lot of respect for each other. Um, and then Sergio Pettis fight with John Moraga. John Moraga is a very tough dude you know, to survive that because Pettis was really pouring on him. That, that's probably his best performance inside the octagon. And uh, 23 years old, I, Anthony, or excuse me, Sergio Pettis, excuse me, not Anthony, Sergio Pettis has a lot of potential in the sport. And, and dare I say he's, he's better than Anthony at this point. You know, I, I think Anthony's, I don't want to say he's washed up, but I mean, he's, he's not looking good at all. He's definitely looking like he's on the downside of his career. Sergio's 23, getting better and better each fight. He had that fight against Ryan Benoit, I think, two years ago. He got KO'd, but since then he's looked really good. So very impressive, Joe. You're not the only person to mention the fact that Anthony Pettis uh, maybe uh, washed up is a strong term, but just simply is not Anthony Pettis anymore. And that down cycle is, is it's not like it's just slowly going down. It just seems that this thing is just dipping down. So uh, we'll see what the UFC does with him. Uh, the preliminary card, not the fight pass card, but the prelims, uh, Sudra Carclose take out Devin Powell. And Devin Powell, in my opinion, uh, it was what, it's, it's horrible <laughs> to say this. Uh, I think there's a reason why Dana White doesn't do much of the scouting for the UFC because even in looking at what Devin Powell did just on that, on that broadcast of uh, Dana White looking for a fight, um, technically speaking, uh, heart-wise, oh, he's got heart. Believe he's got heart. Technically speaking, for mixed martial arts, he still has room to improve, room to grow. 
room, room to work on his technique and his striking and his setups because uh, anytime something was happening with Jakar Close, it wasn't like he would sort of bob and weave. He'd run away. Uh, and it just, I mean, it was so bad. And, you know, I write articles about um, what to wager on and or some propositions if you don't just like the favorite and the underdog. Uh, I literally, during this fight, Adam, as it was about to take place, I'm like, let me look at some props here for Jakar Close. What is it for him to finish the first and the second round? Uh, I never wager. I don't put money down on fights, but I was going to tweet out, you may want to consider this, guys. But thankfully, I didn't do that because Powell proved me wrong. He did go 15 minutes. He's a tough dude, but uh, <laughs> he's not UFC caliber, man. And uh, I think the point you made, it's the same point I made actually in my podcast last night. I was I recorded last night after the after the, uh, the event. And I said, Dan, Dan White's not a very good talent evaluator. He really isn't. Because all these guys on his show that he's hyping up lose. So I, I was I was like, don't don't bet on that guy, man. Don't don't pick him. Pick Dirk Close. And actually, I, I was pretty impressed with Close. I think his striking looked really good. But look who he's fighting, right? So I, you, it's hard to take away too much from it. One guy, who's, one guy striking who definitely needs to improve is Augusto Mendez. Although he did emerge victorious, it was the whole shaking. You know, he would sit there. Right, he's a jiu-jitsu guy. Let's face it. He's a jiu-jitsu guy. We know he's a world champion. But it was shaking. And I found it weird, and I brought it up to Sean uh, last night. I'll bring it up to you right now. Frankie Signs goes in for a takedown, and Augusto Mendez was defending it. Why are you defending the takedown? You want to take me down to the ground? Let's do it. Yeah, another close fight. that could have really gone either way. Um... You know what, though? I, I, I do agree that he needs to work on his striking, but it was, like, strangely effective. Like, it was working for him, and he dropped Frankie Sands a few times. And Frankie's a pretty tough dude. So I, I was pretty impressed with Mendez, man. He's in, he's in his early 20s. Like you mentioned, Joe, jiu-jitsu champion. Um, he fights Cody Garbrandt in his debut on six days' notice. Yeah, he, that was he said, crazy. He said he was sitting on the couch eating ice cream literally the day they called him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's you, you can't take much from that fight. He comes in here, beats Frankie Sands. That's a top 15 guy. That's a good win for him, man. And if he can keep improving his striking, um, I think he trains at the lab, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah and that's so why. Yeah, that's so I think his striking is going to be, uh, it's going to be sick. I think it's going to get better and better and better and better as he moves along. Uh, although I do believe he should, he should only use it to just set up those takedowns and get that yeah. fight down on the ground. For sure. No, I agree with you. It's another situation where jiu-jitsu guy starts falling in love with his boxing. And we've seen that happen uh, too often in the UFC. Yeah, Alexei Olenek, uh, heavyweight, takes out Victor Pesta with an Ezekiel choke yep. while lying on his back, and Pesta's in mount. Yeah, I, I, it was awesome, man. It was awesome to watch. Come on, you know, the first time in UFC history, and I saw it, I was like, wow, that's an Ezekiel choke. I haven't seen that since, like, Pride with a gi. I think that's the last time I've seen one. So it's like, it's been 10 years since I've seen one. Um, the fact that he was on the bottom, though, is not good. Pesta's not a good fighter, obviously. Didn't defend it well at all. But uh, you know what? You gotta give Alexi Linick a lot of credit. They call this guy the, the bull constrictor because around these chokes, that's the tenth time he's got an Ezekiel choke in his career. So this, it's his signature move, basically. He's got forty-two submissions, Joe. The guy knows what he's doing in the ground. And I listened to his post-fight interview. He said that he, you know he was very patient. He was waiting for him to to kind of relax on top to to sink it in, and he did it. So you know. I think it's definitely fair to criticize Pesta for not being able to defend that and just tapping immediately. He's a very quick tap as well. He didn't really fight it. Like, not no no heart shown there. But well, it, uh, it was actually funny because he tried it the first time. He got out of it. Yeah. And then he started setting it up the second time. And then, you know, Pesta's like, well, he's got something on my neck, but I'm going to mount him and I'm going to get out of this. And he starts <laughs> wailing away at him. He starts punching him, punching him. And then he... 
Each time I saw it, I'm like, oh my goodness, no, 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 that's not what you do in MMA, son. Yeah, no, it was bad, but uh, that guy's obviously not a great fighter. But I, like I said, I just, I, I think you gotta give credit to this guy because it's not like some, it was some fluke submission by some random dude. This is a guy who does this a lot, so it was kind of cool. And you know what? He's been fighting for 20 years. He's got a yeah, lot of he's been around for a while. 97, 97. I think he was fighting an M1 back when like Arlovsky was fighting back there, like. Uh, I think he was fighting in like Pancration with like Igor Vajanchin and all those guys like way back in the day. So, um, you know what, man? Hey, he's like 40 years old. Who, who knows? Maybe he's got a few more fights left in him. It's funny you mentioned Igor Vajanchin. Uh, there are rumors that he might be going to Ryzen for the April show. Yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. Okay. <laughs> I think he's like 50 years old now, though, isn't he? That's <laughs> why it wouldn't be awesome. But yeah, you so saw what happened with Gabby Garcia's fight, so. Yeah, I think she fought a sixty-year-old. <laughs> no, I don't know. She's sixty, but she was. She definitely wasn't. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was. Uh, people still are, are, are messaging me about my call on that fight because legit. When I when I when you heard me laughing, and saying what is going yeah. on here, that was as genuine as I could possibly be because I didn't know what was going on there. It was insane. Uh, alpha female comes in there. Jazzy comes in there, and I was just like, "Oh my god, what's going on here? This is crazy." Yeah. No, I know that that was when I saw the matchup booked. I was like, "Why do they do this?" And I, I know you you did the call with uh, Joe Ward. And he got into a little bit of a mess there with his commentary, but uh, yeah, that was that was something. You know, not to get off on a tangent here, but uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what to think about Gabby Garcia. Obviously, she's extremely talented and she's huge, but uh, <laughs> give her give her a real opponent, please. Like, she's, look who she's fighting, man. Come on. Yeah, Jazzy Jazzy, I think is going to be a much better opponent as long as uh, you know if if you want to quickly break down that fight there. Do not go to the ground with Gabby and Jazzy. Just needs to keep it standing and use her power, use her striking. It's going to be that simple. It's a style versus style matchup, and I'm really hoping it does happen in April. Okay, for sure. Let's check it out. Are you going to do the commentary for that? That, to my understanding, uh, I learned very quickly in this business. There's no guarantees in anything. So, to my understanding, uh, I need to keep uh, you know our Easter weekend open here, so I can head down uh, to Japan. And one week before that is actually UFC. Uh, was it 210 in Blow? Uh, April 9th. So that's going to be, uh, you know, there's no belts have been announced yet. So that's going to be a busy two week stretch for me. I haven't informed uh, the boss here and my wife that uh, I might not be home for two weeks, but uh, oops. Yeah, no, I'm looking for that, forward to that card in Buffalo. I guess we'll talk about that later, though, right? Yeah, real quick. We'll just we'll wrap up this uh, UFC sure. Phoenix uh, very quickly. The last bout that was on the main card was Tony Martin versus Alex White. Uh, but there was some more stuff that happened uh, on the UFC Fight Pass card. Four fights uh, and four finishes. Um, Nina Ansaroff with a rear naked choke, pretty impressive. Walt Harris with an absolutely ridiculous combination. And I'm not taking anything away from Chase Sherman at all, but that when I when I uh, wrestle with my son or we're just playing with the gloves on or whatever, we're just playing, playing, I'm trying to teach him how to throw combinations and blah, blah. I know he's only six, but we do have a lot of fun. That's a combination that I felt like I could land on my son at any time. So I don't know what happened there with, with Chase Sherman, but uh, he may have been rocked a bit earlier or just not really calculating correctly because Walt Harris did a fantastic job. And, of course, Christensen with that uppercut, uh, Ami Halovich, that was great. And, and you know, you had Asker taking out uh, Smol- excuse me, Smolyakov or Smolyakov. So yeah. your thoughts on those belts? Ansarov looked really good. Um, dominant round and, excuse me, dominant fight. She had a couple of 10-8 rounds in there and then finished the fight. So that was impressive. First win in the UFC. Uh, I thought Walt Harris should have won one of the performance of the night bonuses, to be honest with you, because that was really impressive. That's the best he's ever looked. But here's the thing with Walt Harris. He's so athletic. He's got a lot of talent. But, you know, I, I don't like how people are like, oh, this is the Walt Harris been waiting for. And, it, you know, he's got so much potential. It's like, yeah, sure. But we've been saying that for four years. You know, He's 34 years old. He's been in the UFC since 2013. It's 2017 now. 
he's got a two and four record in the UFC. You know, he got knocked out by Sola Palili. Like, he's not that good, man. He really isn't. <laughs> but but he did look good last night. So I have to give him some credit to that. Although Chase Sherman has no concept of head movement whatsoever. Um, and then the other two fights, Christensen, nice, nice knockout with the uppercut. Although the guy he's fighting shouldn't be in the UFC. And same with the first fight. That was, that was sad, man. And this guy, I've never seen a guy move to full mount that quickly. That was just, that was awful to watch. And, and once he was in full mount, <laughs> Smolyakov, he, he couldn't, he couldn't defend. And he literally wasn't even getting hit. Like he's blocking all punches. The referee's like, you can't move. I have to stop this fight, man. So, um, some nice, some nice finish on the card. Overall, you know, not an amazing card, but some solid fights. So definitely worth watching. Yeah, and during the broadcast, they did announce uh, two different things. We'll get to the Buffalo one in a moment. But first thing they, uh, the first thing they announced before the Buffalo card was tough, the Ultimate Fighter redemption with coaches Cody Garbrandt. Car- Garbrandt excuse me, he is the UFC Bantamweight champion. Uh, he'll be taking on former champion TJ Dillashaw. They'll be coaching and they'll be fighting uh, in the future. Uh, it is a, it is going to be a situation where they're going to have former Ultimate Fighter winners, former Ultimate Fighter contestants, one active UFC fighter on the roster also will be on the show. Um, what do you make of all this? I, would, I love the fact that they booked this fight because this is the fight I want to see. I think that's going to be a really good fight between Garbrandt and Dillashaw. Um, two guys used to train together. They've already started the trash talk. Um, Garbrandt posted a pretty funny picture on his Instagram. You should check that out if you haven't seen it. It's, it's pretty jokes. He's like holding up this... Uh, He's like a Roman soldier or something holding up this like skull with TJ's face on it with snakes coming over it because they think TJ's a snake, right? So that's a good fight. <laughs> yeah, it. It's pretty funny, man. You got to check it out. He's, 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 he's killing it on there. Um, but uh, I like that fight. I'm not really sure who wins that fight. At this point, I, you might have the favorite guard brand. I don't even know who's going to beat this guy. He's, look, he's looking incredible. But uh, as far as the show goes, you know what? I've been hoping – I don't – okay, I'll just say this. I don't really watch Tough anymore. I don't enjoy the concept anymore. I used to watch every episode, every season, every episode. But – my, one of my favorite seasons was season four, the comeback with Patrick Cote, Travis Luter, Matt Serra, uh, Chris Lytle. That was a great season, Joe. So I'm glad they're bringing back a similar concept because there's a lot of guys who were, like you said, cut from the UFC who are getting a second chance at the UFC. And uh, I think it should be a pretty pretty fun season. Um, they have leak day, like cast out. I'm not sure how legit it is, but you've seen some of the names on there. Like, for instance, Gerald Harris. Gerald Harris just picked up a huge uh, – he powerbombed a guy in Legacy, like arguably the knockout of the year in Legacy, a huge slam. That These was guys, brutal. That guy talked a lot of crap, though, so I could – yeah, good on, on Gerald for doing it. And that's the second time he's did it because he did it against David Branch in the UFC, like a UFC 116 Lesnar-Carwin card. So he's, he's, he's coming back. Um, you know, it's, it's weird, though, because the, the list I saw had like guys like James Krause on it and Zach Cummings, so a, f- a few UFC fighters. And then last night, Jeremy Botter on um, – on uh, Twitter was reporting that CM Punk was going to be in the, in the, in the house. So that's, that's interesting to me if CM Punk goes in the house, cause that's good. That's obviously a ratings draw for them, but he's a guy who should have went through the ultimate fire. He shouldn't have been in the UFC in the first place. So, you know what, Joe, I actually, I, I'm looking forward to the season. I'm not sure how it's going to end up going, but as a concept, I think that they made the right choice here by going to a all-star format. I'm just checking bestfightodds.com right now, looking to see if they have a, a uh, Cody Garbrandt and yeah. TJ Dillashaw lineup. There isn't. Uh, I, I'm trying to wrap it around right now in my head where who's going to be the favorite here. I'm going to go with Cody, but it's going to be yeah. close. It's going to be close. Because this, this fight is just ridiculous. I mean, I'm a huge Dillashaw fan too. I love him too, man. He's just, oh, yeah. I thought he beat Cruz, to be honest with you. I thought he beat, I thought he won that fight. His striking is phenomenal. He's got great wrestling. But the way Garbrandt beat Cruz, 
that was just beyond impressive. So it's hard to go against him at this point. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the odds. All right, I'm sure you're definitely looking forward uh, to the Buffalo show, UFC 210. Yeah. I believe it's April 9th. Now, no, no, no belts have been announced. Uh, it's a great, I'm going to say, um, a great location for the UFC because you are now going to be pulling from the Toronto, the greater Toronto region. You're going to be pulling from Niagara region. You're going to be pulling, um, I guess, the London, the greater London region. You can actually drive down there. And, of course, you've got everything on the upside, uh, on the north end of New York State. Uh, so I, I'm thinking this one will be a sellout. Uh, it's just a matter of when do tickets go on sale? What will that main event be? Uh, and I know you've been talking a lot about, you know, when are these champions going to defend their titles? And you're actually one of the first few people that I thought of when they when they announced the Ultimate Fighter Redemption because now that bantamweight title is going to be tied up for, for quite some time. That's the one problem with Tough that I've always despised is putting the champion and the challenger and putting them away for six months and – that's the worst part about it. But uh, as far as the Buffalo card goes, just looking at some of the options, I, if Dale Cormier is ready, I, I think the fight with Rumble makes a lot of sense to put there. It was supposed to happen in Toronto. I think it makes sense there. And then John Jones is coming back in July or August. You have him fight the winner in the summer. Um, just makes sense from a business standpoint. But uh, I think it's a really good location, like you mentioned, Joe. Like, for instance, even myself, like I'm, I'm very much considering taking a road trip down with a few friends just to have a good weekend because it's like a two-hour drive go down there for, for some uh, some good fights, come back home. It's going to be fun. And then you have people from New York, obviously. Um, first card in Buffalo since 1995 or 97, one of the two. It's anyways, it was UC 7. Um, Ken Shamrock versus Oleg Taktarov. Back when you could punch people in the groins and there was no time limits. So it's it's been a long time since the Buffalo fans have had a card. Um, but I, 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 think, I think the Rumble fight with DC makes sense. What do you think? You like that? Yeah, yeah. I want to see that fight there for sure because it was so close to Toronto. It's just for just for myself uh, and for guys like yourself. Like if that's the fight that we were hoping to cover, we were hoping to see. So yeah, put it back in in, in somewhat of our backyard, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. exactly. it's not really our backyard, but it's it, from Toronto to Buffalo uh, isn't that far of a drive. So uh, yeah, it's definitely. The fight that I'd like to see. Speaking of fights, uh, I think, and I tried to discuss this. Uh, we'll do. We'll, we'll, this will be our last one before I let you go. Um, sure. Dana White and the UFC are starting to get – they're sniffing this whole Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather thing, and they're like, wait a second. There could be money to be made here. You guys want to keep talking social media and doing this and doing that? Well, I'll tell you what. $25 million for you, $25 million for you, and then we'll talk about a pay-per-view split. Uh, is this a case of Dana White just joking around, messing around, or is this read between the lines on two different aspects? A – they'd be more than happy to put an MMA fight on with, with uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. And B, did you just stick your foot in your mouth, Dana White, by offering Conor McGregor $25 million when Conor McGregor's like, what? You can afford to give me $25 million? Yeah, that's the, that's the interesting part. I, I don't think it's going to be an MMA fight, though. I mean, that's there's no way, because Conor would win that fight. He, he would win the first minute of the fight, probably. Take him down, submit him. But I think a boxing match... You know what, Joe? For the last couple of years... Whenever they've talked about it on social media, Connor's tweeted about it. I just laughed it off, but uh, I'm not gonna lie, man. It's kind of it's kind of fun to think about, you know, two two big big stars, Floyd Mayweather undefeated, 49 and 0 in boxing, biggest superstar pay per view draw arguably of all time. The guy did 4.6 million pay per views at Pacquiao. Yes, the fight was awful, but the guy knows how to sell a fight. Connor McGregor, obviously. By far the biggest draw right now in MMA and arguably combat sports in general. The guy knows how to sell a fight. And and 
I enjoy their their back and forth on uh, on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram. I think it's good and it's building up some hype here. Um, as far as what he, Dana White's offer was, um, I don't even know what Connor's getting paid now, but I don't think it's that much. I, I heard rumors of like fifteen million, so <laughs> I guess his price is going up, and th- that makes sense because he's bringing in so much money. But for Floyd Mayweather, I, I just don't think twenty five million dollars gets the conversation started. I think he wants a hundred million dollars. I think that will get the conversation started. I think, I think he, wants, he said he wants a hundred million, and he'll give Connor fifteen or something. Like that's that. what he said. Yeah, he said he's like, if I'll, I'll double whatever the UFC pays Connor now, if he's getting paid eight, I'll give him fifteen or whatever it was. Um, but he wants a hundred million. I mean, it might be worth it because <laughs> you could jack the price of the of the pay per view. It doesn't have to be this typical sixty or seventy dollar one. It could be a ninety nine dollar pay per view, and uh, you could stack. Like Dana White actually mentioned, he's like, we'll stack the undercard. I'm assuming it would be a, a, under UFC under the UFC banner, but it would be a boxing match, probably an exhibition fight. I don't think Connor would be able to fight a pro fight against Floyd, or maybe maybe it could happen. Um, but uh, man, I I don't think I don't think Connor would win, but I, I I'd love to see it. I'm not gonna lie, I'd love to, I'd like to see this fight. What is boxing wise? Connor will not defeat. I know. Mayweather. There's it's, no. It, I mean, it's intriguing though, right? Like just to think about it, like all the trash talk and. And just seeing those two in the ring together, I mean, that'd be kind of interesting. I, 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 think, I, I think it'd be all it'd be all hell would break loose. Yeah. I mean, I think he would just you know once once he realizes he can't hit Floyd Mayweather, he'd go for something from some spinning back kick, a takedown or something, and just just get disqualified. Right? I could just yeah. see that happening. I mean, he's just the guy's fearless. The guy doesn't care, and he's going to get paid no matter what. So I'm just thinking right now, like if if the, just say it did happen, that probably doesn't happen, but just say it did happen. Would they have a ring and a cage that night, or would they have like a boxing match inside a cage? You know? it, it would be, they'd have a ring, and then the cage would descend, and oh. or the cage would <laughs> ascend. Right, uh, wrestling style. Okay. Yeah, I said wrestling style. So, listen, thank you very much for joining us. No uh, we appreciate it. Uh, anything you want to state uh, to all the viewers out there? Just please follow me on Twitter at mmadamartin, and I just uh, actually started a new podcast called the MMA Review. So uh, I've been posting that on my Twitter. So definitely check it out. Showdown, thanks a lot for having me on, man. It was, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, pleasure was all mine. Thank you. It was, it was actually pretty short notice, but uh, I really no appreciate you coming on here. Uh, we'll figure something out, try and get you back on uh, sooner rather than later. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in today. Don't forget, tomorrow I'll be joined by Elias Theodoro. I don't know if he'll be, be wearing one of those. Uh, I call it the Octagon Girls robe, but it was more of a Hugh Hefner robe. He had his hair down, shades on. Uh, you know, very he's... he's Fairly witty. If you've never heard him speak before, he does crack. He's got some wit that you kind of get later on. You're like, oh, wait a second. That was actually funny. And then, of course, Wednesdays will be Sean Pearson. And I, I don't know what Pearson is going to say or do. Uh, it's always a mess with him on there. We'll have Sean Rossap on Saturday. And, of course, uh, Reed Kuhn on Friday, who may have some interesting news as to the future uh, of the new ownership with the UFC and what their plans are for 2017. Either way, thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Fightful MMA podcast. I'm Shodan Joe for Adam Martin saying, have a great day, behave yourselves, and stay safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.